0: Part 3, Deploy Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. John chapter 13, verse 17 For the provision of God constantly to be at work in your lives, we must activate the laws of God. Phil Pringle Part 3, Deploy Deploy is ensuring you make the most of every opportunity to hit the market strong, obtain your goals, and ultimately create the momentum and sustained growth you desire as you apply the final steps of the seven-day system. Chapter 6, Day 5, Gaining Momentum And God said, let the waters swarm with waters of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves, with which the waters swarm, according to their kinds, and every winged bird, according to its kind. And God saw that it was good, and God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters in the seas, and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fifth day. Genesis chapter 1, verses 20 through 23. Now may the God of peace, who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the eternal covenant, that is, Jesus our Lord, equip you in every good thing to do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 21. Main takeaway. Since all your preparations come to fruition in the activation of momentum, evaluating the effectiveness of your business's movement and operations is essential. Now, we've seen why it's important to have all these things in place for your business to operate effectively. Vision, atmosphere, structure, order. But without the element of momentum added in day five, it would be all for naught. On the fifth day of creation, God created more life. Once again, he sees it as good, but this time he adds something else. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters and the seas, and let birds multiply on the earth. Genesis chapter 1, verse 22. The blessing of the Lord enters the world on day five. He creates every living thing that moves, and then he also ensures his living creatures will continue and proliferate by giving them the ability through a blessing to be fruitful and multiply. This big addition to his process is what the third and final part of our business plan rests on. Deploy. This essential ability that comes in the form of God's blessing to multiply. I believe recognizing this pronouncement as a gift is one of our great business advantages. When I was just starting out, I had the common dissatisfaction so many have. Knowing I wanted to make a bigger contribution and do something great for the kingdom. I just didn't know what. I had to learn to listen to that voice and then to try different things, like rough drafts of business visions and plans. And it wasn't until failing multiple times at various things that I realized that strong voice of dissatisfaction was there because I had some important inner work to do. In fact, working out this plan for business success based on the seven days of creation is part of that bigger work and the result of God's heavy work in me. I don't live in regret, and you know I'm a firm believer in seeking the positive, but I've had my share of disappointments, and it's always interesting to look back and see where I was missing some vital preparation or life knowledge that could have enhanced or refined my vision. All of us struggle with what we lack, but I know once we come to learn what's missing and we gain those things or needed insights, we appreciate them all the more for the difficulty we faced. I'd been selling a variety of things for many years before I hit a low point in 2011 and was essentially homeless for a while, sleeping on my sister's couch. Coming off a failed business venture, I was broke and had no idea what I was going to do next. I knew I could get a job or or start selling something again, but I didn't want to work for somebody else anymore. I spent many late nights searching the internet trying to figure out what the heck I was going to do one night, I was online searching, looking for new business ventures, marketing ideas, whatever I could find, and I came across an ad on Craigslist. It said, work three days a week and make 10000 bucks." That sounded pretty good, but of course, I thought, yeah, right. Still, I was curious, so I decided to figure out what this was. I called the number and talked with the guy back and forth a few times. He said he did this seminar selling to groups of people, and it didn't really hit me what he was referring to until I drove down about an hour and a half to sit in on one of these presentations. I walked into the room and it completely blew my mind. There were 24 people sitting there. The guy delivered a presentation and at the end he simply asked for an appointment to have people meet with him the next day. He got seven appointments and it completely rocked my world. I thought, man, if this guy could do one presentation a week and only meet with the people that wanted to know more, holy cow, this is it. This was the beginning of social dynamic selling. It would take me a few years to really understand how to do it, which I describe more fully in my book, Food for Thought. But that started me on the trail toward what I'd end up doing for the next 10 years, generating momentum. The value of vision. We covered this on day one, but I want to highlight its importance. Life is a dance. It has a rhythm. Seasons, months, weeks, and days all have a rhythm and an order to them. And we do best to observe the way they flow and how they organize our lives. I often tell clients to go back to their vision and think about that first emotional connection they had to it. To find the why for their life and work. Knowing this ensures they'll be able to get back on track when the storms and challenges come. And they will come, I assure you. I firmly believe there is no failure, just feedback. But nothing I've gotten has come easy. Nothing worth having anyway. The difference between motivation and inspiration is that motivation continually requires new outside sources, while inspiration comes from a deeper inner source. This inspiration fuels our vision and the determination for progress momentum. I believe this deeper source of inspiration is what we need to appreciate most about God's blessing in day five. Reminding yourself of this source of your vision gives purpose to the struggle of carrying it out. Like Frederick Nietzsche once said, He who has a why to live can bear almost any how. It's important to stay connected to your vision so you stay the course you set for yourself, knowing that distractions and temporary things are nothing compared to what you've committed to. It will be worth it in the end. Like in the movie Rocky, during the extra tough workouts to train and get himself in shape, Rocky constantly reminds himself of his why, which is making a better life for Adrian the love of his life, and that pushes him through the hard times. Another word for this is called anchoring, where you anchor yourself to your deep emotional reason to keep moving forward. It's very effective, and I've used it so many times. For me, it's my wife, Ash, and my daughter, Ellie. Our knowledge comes from our past experience, and our mood comes from our future, what we see taking shape and believe we're moving toward with determination and hard work. If you keep your focus on what will be achieved in the future, you will keep moving towards it. I believe this is what God demonstrated in the first few days of creation when he set up the world and the ecosystem for what he knew was coming in day five. The creation of momentum. Everything God had created up until now was setting the stage for this day. He needed to create water, air, land, plants, and trees first to sustain what he was planning. This is why I like to focus on day five as the culmination or the result of everything else that came before. On day five, I believe God created not just animals, but he also created what we can now see as movement or the momentum of his creation plan. It wasn't just for some pretty water, rocks, and sky. It wasn't just a sun and a moon and stars to look good and create the proper atmosphere. The aquatic animals and flying creatures were created to live in the spaces God had prepared for them previously. Now we see why he did what he did on the previous days. Everything was prepared for what he had planned for this day. The big implementation of his master plan to sustain and bless these self-sustaining, living, breathing creatures. Think about how intricately God thought through this cycle of life for all these creatures depending on each other for survival. He made flying animals to pollinate the world's plants and food crops, crops that would be used for biofuels, fibers, craft and construction materials, medicine and livestock feed. He made seabirds to eat fish, crustaceans in their guano or droppings, where they nest to fertilize plants and even coral reefs. The ecosystem is beyond incredible. Fish contribute essential nutrients to support their ecosystem as well, recycling the nutrients that algae and other species need to survive so that in turn can support other creatures. Or think how we've learned from fish and birds how forming schools and flocks helps protect against predators, improve foraging, and nest more efficiently. These communities are examples for all of us to learn to work within and benefit from the power of camaraderie of groups. And this is just the tip of the iceberg of all God demonstrated in ordering his creation of the world the way he did. The point of all this is that the setup is more important than we tend to think. When we plan for the fulfillment of our vision, create the proper atmosphere and culture, and think through the structure and the order of operations first— then we can know we're ready to truly begin and sustain momentum for the long haul of actually earning a profit and creating movement and doing business. God didn't just create all life with the ability to perpetuate their species by reproduction and say, go to it. He designed the way in which all he made would operate and interact. And this great care is what made the work so good. What's your plan? All that time I was broke and looking for the next thing. The fulfilling work we do now became the fuel for my momentum when I started social dynamic selling. Seeing how effective it was convinced me to get invested, but I didn't have a clue what my plan should be or how I was going to get from A to B, let alone get rich. But I knew enough about this guy's model to know I just needed to send out some postcards and invite people to a presentation so I could make some sales. Slowly but surely, I kept reinvesting into growing that business. It was just the bare bones of a plan, but it worked because now I could leverage my time, marketing, and the energy and effort I was spending in one-on-one sales into one dinner seminar. This is the beauty of what happened in day five. God took the structure and order he'd previously designed and then employed it to sustain life. The, the idea was embedded in the original vision, though it only existed in his mind at that point. God's business plan for life on earth was designed for everything to work together for the good of each other. But he had to imagine how all the activity would need to operate and function before it happened, so it could run smoothly once everything to support it was in place when the time came. Many people are held back in business because of a lack of the preparations that are needed first. When I was just starting out, I took that trip to Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia in an effort to get established there. I had no vision, no long-term prospects for ongoing sales, and no sense of what I wanted my business to look like in a month, let alone several months or years out. I didn't properly prepare. I didn't know what I didn't know. I only knew what I didn't want, which was to end up around the wrong people with no life direction. This is how people get into trouble. I wound up flying right home and I learned an important lesson about business. Have a plan. It would take many years before I'd eventually learn how to set my own course for success, to have a vision, plan a structure, and think through the order of needed activity to gain momentum and multiplication. But when the life of your business begins, too many people simply launch into selling and expect instant success. The whole goal of this book is to help you put first things first. You need to develop a clearly communicated vision based on what you want to see happen. Whatever you see your day-to-day activity being. So you set that vision first, imagining what's needed to create the proper atmosphere and culture for your work to thrive, And then you need to implement what the structure will need to be to support that vision. And then comes the order of when to do the various things required within that support structure based on who's responsible for what. Only then are you ready to begin. Once you've created all that's needed to support the product or service, the purpose, movement, and momentum of the business, in any partnership, if you're assisting each other and taking into account each other's duties and responsibilities and operating in excellence, doing your job so the other can do theirs, then you can gain momentum. In business, when we have a clear vision, the atmosphere is good, we have a business plan and playbook, and we're handling our responsibilities, then our day five is when we can start the machine and begin to gain momentum. When the marketing is producing leads, the sales team is selling, and the fulfillment team is taking care of the new customers, the company will begin to work. That's when you're set up for momentum and increase. That is the goal. When we are all working for the purpose of being fruitful and multiplying, there is no small role. In fact, when you're operating with other believers, you can see this as the beginning stages of a new body of Christ working together, a perfectly orchestrated creation. Once we have this dialed in, then and only then can we move on to the exciting day six, Multiply. Chapter 7, Day 6, Beginning to Multiply. And God said, Let the earth produce living creatures according to their kind. And it was so. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image according to our likeness. So God created man in his own image. God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And it was so. And God saw... All that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Genesis chapter 1, verse 24, 26 through 28, and 31. Bad company corrupts good character. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33. Main takeaway. Relationships are the capstone, the pinnacle of creation, And as such, we represent our maker in the quality and effectiveness of our business partnerships. On the sixth day of creation, God created mankind, but he also created the first human relationship so we could multiply and take dominion. When you consider it, things escalated pretty quickly on this day. God created all the different kinds of animals and everything that creeps on the ground and sees them as good. And then he says, let us make mankind in our image, giving an early nod to the Trinity of Father, Creator, the Son, Redeemer, and Holy Spirit, the Guide. There's a lot more to this than first meets the eye. But importantly, on this day, God created connected relationships. It wasn't merely between man and woman either. It was between God and man and them and the animals, plants, and earth All of it was blessed and overseen and designed by God's careful creative work. The plan was complete at the end of the sixth day. The entire universe in all its beauty and perfection fully formed and all his work completed. God announces that it is very good. I believe we can draw some conclusions about why he emphasizes this as he looks out on everything he has made and sees what it represents. Specifically for our discussion, I think there's a lot to appreciate about these relationships between all these, and all we will see. It's the unique interaction of back-and-forth partnership that I think best reveals the reason for his joy. Why Relationships Matter Most Many of us place a high priority on our relationships, whether or not we remember to respect them or even treat everyone fairly all the time. Often, our outer responses and actions don't match our inner beliefs, but most of us would at least say we agree that relationships in life are very important, maybe even what life is all about. I'd certainly say that at this point, and in some way, even based on my early decisions, I can see, I've always sensed there's something vitally important in being connected and committed to the people who are most important to us in life. I honestly think one very early memory of mine is the start of my marketing and sales career. I grew up in a small town in South Dakota with less than a thousand people, and my folks got divorced when I was five years old. I'm the youngest of three, and when I look back, I see I was a people pleaser. And I didn't know this then, but I always wanted to keep the peace. When I was with my dad, I would literally sneak away and hide under the bed with the corded phone and call my mom to tell her how much I missed her and I wanted to be with her. And then at my mom's, I would hide in the closet and try to call my dad. I was playing both sides. I miss them, and time always feels like an eternity when you're that young. But mainly, I didn't want the other parent to think I loved one more than the other. I felt this constant turmoil, and I made that vow many kids of divorce make, that I would never put my child through what I went through, which, of course, set me up for another big failure. But more on that later. We often hear how sales is all about relational management and trust, and that's true, but I think it's important to really think about why that is. The King's Council is based on relationship and alignment, specifically our relationship with God and our alignment with His purpose. That is our primary consideration based on the greatest commandment Jesus gives us in Matthew 22, verse 37, to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. But we also affirm the second greatest commandment as an extension of the first, to love your neighbor as yourself, in verse 39. Not only is this how to keep the original commandments in the teaching of the prophets, but it's also how we can build lives and businesses of integrity, vision, and purpose through powerful relationships. There's this great agreement in the Bible between Genesis and the prophets in the Gospels and Paul's letters. Even beyond Jesus' original teaching, remember to continue always searching for the three kinds of personal relationships we all need. A Paul to learn from, a Barnabas to lean on, and a Timothy to mentor. Stay open to everyone and work to show love, even when you find some irreconcilable differences with someone to learn from. Keeping your vision focused on what you know God's calling to be for you is essential, as well as keeping the first commandment to love God first and others second. I believe it's this commitment to knowing who God has called us to be and honoring our personality and experiences that made us who we are. That allows us to properly emphasize relationships and figure out who we most need to be around. We all face times of disagreement and struggle when we'll have to draw on our own wisdom and character to discern what seems best. We may not know what to do in new circumstances, but if we stay committed to God in these two commandments and remember them as our deepest purpose in our lives and businesses, they'll be able to withstand the challenges and even flourish in adversity. There's no guarantee of this, of course, but we can know we've remained faithful and true to what God has called us to by applying one simple rule Jesus encouraged us to apply. Look for the fruit. How to find good business partners. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. Luke chapter six, verse thirty-three through forty-four. This simple idea has saved me so many times when I've been unsure about what to do in any given relationship. It's a philosophy I become so committed to in life, in business. Simply looking for the fruit, I figured out which path to take. And who to glean from by looking at what someone's life is producing and comparing that against what they claim. Not in a judgmental way or to call people out unless God specifically asked me to, but just looking at the people's lives that you want to emulate and who you want to be around. It's important to be around them and see what you could learn about how they live. When you do that, you'll see. Someone may have a great Instagram persona, but is there fruit? This isn't stuff you typically hear in many business books, but I think it has to be a big part of the total package. Because of this, I've had to learn to take a more intentional approach to my business relationships. It's important to get insight and be careful to include tons of grace with people because we're no better than anyone, and much of the time, I don't actually know what they're dealing with. We should only ask questions without judgment, and remember, a gentle answer turns away wrath. Proverbs 15, verse 1. But if you're committed to this, to excellence and true partnership, transparency is vital. So plan to help them if they're struggling. You might even have ideas of ways you could help ease the pressure on them. And remember, if you're going to help someone be more excellent mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, and financially, you'd better be operating in this manner yourself. You have to have fruit in your life that people want. And it's so often the case that when you get to know someone, they're not who you thought they were but if they get around the right people, maybe they could be one day. If they're not willing to hear the hard truths with grace, maybe it's time to part ways. Relating well is hard because it's different to integrate all the pieces of who we truly are, and it's work for all of us. That's why my firm belief now is that if you're going to go into business with somebody, you have to date them first. You've got to understand and see what they're like at home, what their family life is like, and even in little things that show how they live, You need to go be with them before you get into business with them. My business relationships and partnerships have taught me more than anything else about effective kingdom management. And through these men and women, the good and the difficult, I know God has worked a complete transformation in me. As we become closer with God and others, all our relationships benefit, and there's always so much more to learn. But he will show you where you need to go if you pay attention and do your part to support, in value, the good in people. Bottom line, I believe this is how we can best exercise dominion in the business world by emphasizing the value of relationships. That doesn't mean we will click and jive with everyone, but we must use this idea of taking dominion as God's blessing to claim territory for him by scaling our companies responsibly and appropriately and working to increase God's kingdom of love here on earth. Once you have a solid vision, A sustainable culture systems in place and you've properly ordered things momentum has begun and soon it will be time to multiply that success by adding some strategic relationships in entrepreneurs relationships one of the greatest times in my life was when i was in college at normandale community college in bloomington minnesota i had such a great tribe of brothers we would spend late nights studying the bible worshiping even hitting the streets of minneapolis to witness to folks It was truly an amazing experience for me. Some of the most incredible bonds were formed. To this day, I feel like I could call any of those guys, and if I needed a body moved, they would ask, are you driving or am I? We've since gone our own lives, but that's been my picture of what community is ever since, a true brotherhood. We all know there's a family of origin and a family of choice. Your family of origin, your parents, grandparents, stepfamilies, and in-laws, won't always be as close as your family of choice those you choose to connect with. Observing Ecclesiastes chapter four, verse nine, which says two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. We have to take time to consider who best aligns with your vision and goals, whether it's your marriage, your parenting, your business, your friendships, or your business alignments. There is value in knowing the vision for that relationship and all parties need to contribute their part and have clear expectations. If we can share our hopes and fears with each other and commit to our roles in respective tasks, God can bless our work by multiplying it. When we look closely at how God set about creating the land animals, he created them each according to their kind. What were these kinds? Moses records the animals in three broad categories. Livestock, such as sheep, goats, and cattle. Creeping things, such as insects, worms, and reptiles and the wild animals like lions, foxes, and kangaroos. Man has distinct responsibilities and relationships with each of these kinds, and like with the different kinds of plants, part of the working is figuring out which kinds are most useful for his work. There's an underlying message of the circle of life here. Day six is all about responsibility and stewardship. Just think about all the relationships that begin on day six. God places the first man in the garden to care for it and says, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Verse 18. God makes a woman to be with him in verses 21 through 22 and then places them in authority over the earth and over all the creatures. In verse 26. God blesses them and says to multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. That is steward it. In verse 28 after declaring it is very good humanity is given the decree which is also our kingdom entrepreneur mandate be fruitful or be productive and multiply or reproduce fill the earth or distribute it and subdue it master the market making us in his own image means we reflect god in our ability to love 1st john chapter 4 verse 19 to reason in isaiah chapter 1 verse 18 And to make intelligent decisions in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19. Mankind is uniquely and intimately formed by God, Isaiah chapter 45, verse 12. In this original perfection, God also gives the first humans a moral responsibility to use their free will and capacity to decide morally to not eat of one tree. With the authority to rule comes the responsibility to rule well. There is an inherent accountability in the command to subdue the earth. Man has a duty to exercise his dominion under the authority of the one who delegated it, since all true authority is from God. Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 5. Man is to bring the material world and all its various parts into the service of God for the good of mankind. This command to subdue the earth is actually part of God's blessing on mankind. So, we are to have dominion, But what does that actually mean? Understanding dominion. I think it's helpful to think of it this way. As God's image bearers in creation, we were intended to act as his representatives. We were designed in a very real way to show the world what God is like. When God gave us the command to rule over the earth, the expectation was to do so in a way that reflected his character. If you were to ask someone to watch your kids, you wouldn't just say, do whatever you want. You would expect the babysitter to maintain the rules the family has in place. The babysitter is to act as a representative, all but in an extremely limited sense, of you and your spouse. Human dominion is a little like that, but on a much grander scale. When God placed the first man in the Garden of Eden, it was to work it and keep it, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. Adam was commanded to take care of the earth, to fill and cultivate the rest of it, following after the example God had given him in the Garden. This was the ideal, and yet, as we can see just looking out our windows, it's clear we're not living in a paradise. There are some wondrous things in our world, no question, but let's be honest, it's a mess. In the beginning, the ground yielded its fruit gladly to the man. Work wasn't toil, but when man sinned, God put him under a curse, and everything, including the earth, was affected. So rather than yielding fruit easily, the earth rebelled against the man, giving him thorns and thistles instead of the fruit of his labors. Rather than using our dominion to cultivate the earth, we've chosen to conquer it instead. In a very real sense, this is the curse many folks still labor under. Thank God he sent Jesus to redeem us. Redeeming Dominion in a Fallen World I don't believe dominion is simply about how we treat nature or the environment. It also involves how we interact with the world around us. This idea of proper, humble dominion touches every part of our being, and despite our fallen state, God has not removed the charge to rule over the earth. So we must consider how to use this authority God has given us to bring Him glory. Plain and simple, financial prosperity brings increased authority and responsibility in our world. It's true, more money, more problems. When I started making money with Social Dynamic, I didn't yet have the maturity I needed to steward it wisely. I required a couple years of counseling with great Christian mentors and the love of my wife Ashley, as well as some amazing business partners and friends to help set me straight and speak truth into my life. From the very beginning of selling, hosting seminars, to going through the divorce I said I'd never get, and wanting to ensure my daughter would have everything she needed regardless of the mess I'd made, I still knew and believed God works things out for the good of those who love Him and commit to to live according to His purpose. I'm proof that the sovereignty of God is bigger than any false notion of my life or vision I ever had. My journey has proven to me over and over that I'm called to take dominion and pursue the specific purposes for His glory and to further His kingdom. So that's not something I can take lightly. There are so many more principles we could unpack about the kingdom economy and stewarding it, but much of that is yet to come on the podcast and in the training seminars and other books in this series. To close this last big idea out, here are three suggestions for what I think taking dominion looks like, loosely based on Genesis 128. Number one, steward creation responsibly. Take care of what you have been given, appreciate it, and honor it. Number two, Work with excellence. While few of us are in positions of great authority, we are all responsible for carrying out the work we've been given with excellence. Do your work well, respect your employers, remembering that you are serving the Lord Christ, not men. Colossians 3, verse 24. 3. Multiply spiritually. God's blessing gives us the ability to multiply in many good things, children obviously, but in many other ways as well. We can bring new life into the world in so many ways, and that's a big deal. We multiply spiritually when we are effective ambassadors of the love of Jesus Christ sharing the news of Jesus' sin, defeating death, and resurrection with the world. We are to make disciples of all nations. I believe this is one of the greatest ways we can exercise dominion over the earth by using the authority given by Christ for the express purpose of seeing the lost become found. Some of the top businesses, the most successful people in the world, operate by these three principles. And you don't have to be a believer to have them work. But when you do see them working, you know where they come from. You see why the kingdom economy is so powerful. My goal here has been to make you aware of these principles and how you can be successful employing them so we can have more Christians in positions of authority and influence. As mentioned, I've seen some of the top businessmen in the world operating by these principles for decades simply because they work. But when you're a believer and your heart is for the kingdom, it's my firm belief that operating by these principles is how we can take some serious territory back for the kingdom. Hey guys, if you're digging this content and you'd like to be a part of our community of kingdom entrepreneurs, then text the word king to 727 727- 472 We host virtual and in-person get-togethers with the focus of building community to advance the kingdom through wealth creation and financial stewardship. So if you're looking for this type of tribe and the resources to do so, then step into your true calling by texting the word KING to 727-472-3860. Chapter 8, Day 7, Keeping the Sabbath. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Genesis chapter 2, verses 1-3. through three. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. Main takeaway. Weekly rest provides time and space to refine your operations, create staying power, and increase your business's effectiveness and productivity. After creating the heavens and the earth in six days, we all know what God did on the last day. He rested. But the seventh day is considered a day of creation because God set it apart as special. Did God need rest? It's hard to imagine. More likely, he was demonstrating something important for us to understand. The heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. But then God paused took notice of what he created, and blessed all he had accomplished. In our go-all-the-time world, rest is often looked at as wasting time. However, rest is short for restoration, and we could all use more restoration in every part of our lives. Your vision of your business must include adequate, even ample time to rest. Once you put the system and an order of things together, you will need to reflect on what is and is not working. Relationships will need review to make sure they are in alignment with your vision. The purpose of this seventh day of creation is to pause and take a look at all you are doing, because there is always much to appreciate and evaluate in business. One helpful question I've learned to ask on my day of rest is How can I duplicate myself best so I can better scale operations to the next level I envisioned? I review the vision and the order of things as well as the relationships. In relationships, the question is often, how can I best serve others to help them leave space to bless God, their people, in this business? Especially in today's world, effective business are led by leaders who understand the value of importance of rest for their partners, employees, and customers. Never stopping to rest, reflect, and review is like working hard to climb a ladder and then realizing at the top it's leaning against the wrong building. If you don't stop to rest, reflect, and review, you're going to end up pointed at the wrong goals. Just as God decreed the entirety of His creation very good and then moved into His rest, this is a pattern to establish for all of us. God created the Sabbath so we could learn to honor His gifts and know why our heaven on earth includes both work and play. The Day of Renewal God's rest denotes that His creation is complete, Likewise, our rest is a chance to evaluate what we've created, what's complete, and what's continuing next week. Further, God is establishing a pattern of one day and seven to rest. The keeping of this day will eventually be a distinguishing trait of God's chosen people, Israel, Exodus 20, verses 8-11. through 11. God does not slumber or sleep in Psalms 121, verse 4. But the Hebrew word here for rest also means seize. God seized his creative work after six days, and we are meant to honor this pattern for our own health and benefit as well. Taking at least a day to reflect on what we've completed can also be a way to recognize and consider the work God has done for us and with us and how he takes care of us. Consider God's blessing of this day and how Jesus says in Mark chapter 2, verse 27. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Honoring this day is honoring the way we are made to accept we need rest and renewal. Also, consider how God only seized new creative work on the seventh day, not all activity. If your work is physical, you may require extra recuperating, but just as God isn't distant from his creation or leaving the universe to run by itself, our day of rest might be active. We just may need a break from creating new things and making new plans. God took six days to make everything to provide us this example of how to structure our week. Exodus chapter 20 verses 9 through 11 is the basis of the fourth commandment. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. For in six days the Lord made everything. Heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, he rested on the seventh day. This is why a week is seven days long, not six days or eight. It is based on the way God made the universe during creation week. Having a Sabbath has not always factored into my operations. I always operated under the mentality that most entrepreneurs have just work harder, grind, hustle. You can sleep when you're dead. It wasn't until recently that God revealed to me the importance of the Sabbath. At first, out of necessity to recover from some very long weeks, and then eventually more intentionally as I wanted to be more present to my family and friends. I've known plenty of entrepreneurs who didn't take a Sabbath while starting out, and as a result, experienced burnout. I know there's pressure to perform perfectly and get a competitive advantage, and there will always be those times when it makes more sense just to get the jump on things, or on the week by working through Sunday, even just a little. But I believe God honors those who honor His structure and order, and I'd rather be a day behind and give Him the opportunity to surprise me with what He made happen without my help, than risk burning out and not honoring the way I'm made to rest. There are still times I forget and have to pay the price with fatigue or disappointing my family, but I'm continually training to up my Sabbath game and incorporating rest into my full life. I remember that the Sabbath in its keeping was a covenant between God and his people. This is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. Exodus 31 verse 13 God set aside this day for his people to find renewal as they sought his call and purpose. Who am I to mess with that? It's just easier to accept my human limits and let it be a reminder that God is in control, not me. Keeping it Holy The nation of Israel was created to be an instrument through which God would bring salvation to the world. Because of this, the day of rest that helps lend structure to the weak is vital to institute in any business operation. God called and recalls us, like he did the Israelites, to the life sanctified through the keeping of a Sabbath. It would be all too easy to assume that this is a vestige of the past, and we need to move on and get with the 21st century. No one wants to be legalistic about, or religious about it, after all. I don't disagree, but like the Holy Spirit teaches, trains, and convicts us of sin, so we can do what God has planned for us since the beginning— I believe taking a Sabbath day is a chance for God to work in our absence. Is it a sin to work on Sunday? Many wise folks have believed so, but I like to think Paul is right in saying, all things are permitted, but not all things are of benefit in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23. Maybe the question should be whether we're leaving enough space for the Spirit to convict us where we need it. To this end, we pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Matthew 6, verse 10. That is not our own will about work or rest or anything. Sanctified by the Spirit and the Word as God's people, we are called to join Him in building His kingdom. It's this intentional rest that points to our identity as God's people, sanctified for His work. God gave us this picture of intentional rest as a reminder of who we are, and to set us apart as his creation. It's not always our first thought, especially when there's much work to be done, but it's a blessing to us to live in this intended rhythm. As a result, I found myself reflecting on a day off how grateful I am for it. Chapter 9, A Final Word. So whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. As I said, there are many more ideas and principles to unpack about the kingdom economy. I plan to continue sharing more and I look forward to connecting with many of you soon. I have a couple other parting thoughts to share about all of this in a bit of application. But first, let's quickly recap our seven day method for kingdom entrepreneurship, just to ensure the basic process is clear. Day one, cast a vision to dispel darkness. Day two, create an atmosphere of a supportive, agreeable business culture. Day three, arrange the different tasks and needs of your business into an effective, clear structure. Day four, ensure the order of the processes of your business is complete and responsive to your needs. Day five. Begin the movement of your operations and establish a rhythm to generate momentum. Day six, emphasize human relationships to multiply in good things and scale your business appropriately. Day seven, include the blessing of rest on the seventh day to sanctify it and set an example. Foundationally, these seven principles have formed my business operations and fueled my growth. I believe we can't be the most effective kingdom entrepreneurs without taking our time to invest in each of these considerations in sequence. And while these seven steps lay out the process of building effective, profitable businesses, they are based in four primary commitments I developed to help myself stay focused on what truly matters in life. These kingdom principles apply to generating prosperity in business, which I believe we all need to understand. Vision is about ownership. God owns everything in the kingdom. Money is about stewardship. Money is a tool expanding the kingdom. Tithing is a matter of worship, positioning our hearts for blessing and being a blessing. Our work and businesses are about kinship, sowing and reaping together in God's world. We haven't talked much about stewardship and tithing, but these are the subject of my next two books. As a sneak peek, I hope to get you excited for the next installments of this Kingdom Entrepreneur Training and seeing a bit more of how this all fits together in our biblical model of effective business design, development, and deployment. That last point could just as easily say it's about kingship, but kinship puts the focus on the big why. As believers, everything we do ultimately points to God, and for Him, it's always for relationship. I hope you've been able to appreciate how this 7-day model isn't so much a solution to plug in, as it is a simple way to think about all the elements you need to create a sustainable business over the long term. I like to think that with all biblical wisdom, it isn't a shortcut to apply, but a lifestyle to enjoy. In terms of what this all comes down to, all of this is about God. But it's also about others, which means everything we're doing and building and multiplying is ultimately serving the first and second commands to love God and others as ourselves. In fact, it's been said we most effectively love ourselves by loving God and others because this is how we are made to thrive and find meaning in life. We must do what it is needed to gain a deeper understanding and appreciation for how these primary relationships work and where we still struggle to line up with God and others. Even in day-to-day operations, we need an ongoing commitment to excellence. After all, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20 says, we are to be ambassadors for Christ on this earth. That's the bottom line and the underlying theme of this series. Creation invites creativity. One more story. Going back to when I first heard the good news, I remember being so inspired by the idea that God hadn't just set up shop, created everything, and then moved on to something more important. I think we tend to have that idea before we really get into the Word and see how intimately and intricately involved He truly is in every aspect of His creation and our lives. The theme of ongoing commitment has stayed with me through the many businesses I've taken on to discover, develop, and deploy – and it's helped me stay focused on what's most important when things aren't going as well as I'd like or are starting to look like they're coming off the rails. You'd be crazy to think you're not going to have those days, or weeks, or even months. In fact, when you're just starting out with these concepts, it can take some time to get the ideas and pieces to line up. Don't get disappointed if your vision isn't matching up with the reality even 12 to 18 months out. Most people will give up before they see results in any business, but if you followed these steps and worked to apply them both to yourself and your business, I believe there's nothing you will face in God's strength and care that will derail his call in your life. Continuing to work toward refining the relationship's momentum, order, structure, culture, and vision as you encounter challenges is how you'll come to dominate the market for the kingdom. Every snag in the operation is an opportunity to adjust for greater growth. The question is often, how far back do we need to go to truly deal with and eradicate this problem effectively? That's where creativity comes in. God's word contains creative power. As beings created in his image, we have been given that power as well, using it when needed and activating that gift responsibly for the good of our businesses, but ultimately for the advancing of the kingdom is how prepared kingdom entrepreneurs can come to establish dominion and encourage our world to flourish. While day seven is a reminder to demonstrate proper honor to God for the work and creativity he's provided, every day is a chance to honor and be with God in the work and dedicate our progress and fulfillment in it to him. Does an employee have the drive but needs better training to effectively identify better leads or inspire clients to sign on? What resources can you mobilize to provide that? Does a supplier need a bigger vision for creating the specific part to give your product a competitive advantage? How can you strategically inspire and motivate the owner or encourage them to see their importance to your bottom line? Creativity is a God-given power each of us can activate to solve problems and refine our businesses. The efforts you apply to creatively shape your business's vision, culture, structure, order, and movement make it effective and appealing like a well-tended garden or a polished machine. Creative investment all along that chain has a massive quality impact as well. The greater relationship power your business ultimately creates will be largely dependent on those efforts to tweak and edit your processes on the front end. Apply consistent effort. After reading all the stories and ideas here, the question for you now is, how will you use this in real life? It's in the real life application that you'll come to see the real value of these principles. Then as these ideas take root and you get your business running, what will keep you going when you see trouble crop up and things breaking down? There's an old illustration about how a single drop of water can eventually break through stone if it continues consistently. The point is clear. It's not about strength or force, but consistency and determination. Remember Rocky and so many other movies and stories about people who overcame the odds through the power of their commitment. Even better, our ultimate example went to the cross for what he believed in. That we could have eternal life with him someday, if only he'd make the way someday. Like the old song says, nobody knew his secret ambition, but we can know that our connection to him fuels our commitment and supplies all we need to remember when we face any struggle in life. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 11 says, "'Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking actual words of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies.'" so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. I can think of no more fitting words to encourage all of us. We are the kingdom creatives who get to take this work forward in the power of the name of the One who commands the very waves. Think about that next time you find yourself forgetting what really matters. Pray with persistence and work with an awareness of this promise. The only real limitation we have is our appreciation of this empowering truth. Whatever we do, when we are properly aligned with Him and His call, we speak and serve and as those conveying the very words of God. The work, the real work, is becoming properly aligned to activate this kind of infinite power and grace. It's in the knowledge of your real mission. I pray you'll feel prepared and fully capable of meeting the challenges that will come to test and mold you in the work you've been assigned. May God bless the work of your hands, and may it bring great glory to the King. Hey guys, if you're digging our content and want more, then join our community at joinkingscouncil.com or simply text the word KING to 727-727. Four seven two three eight six zero.